Hello, I'm Jackie Mignot. And I'm Zach Robichaud. You're listening to A Podcast Made Flesh. Conversations about an embodied faith. We're coming to you from Treaty 7 territory, talking with all sorts of people about the incarnation. We're not reporters or experts, but we are questioners, and we are on a quest to have a conversation about the central Christian belief that God became flesh. And so we, we're singing to Mary and we sing, Rejoice through whom joy shall shine forth. Rejoice through whom the curse shall vanish. Vanish. Rejoice fallen Adam's restoration. Rejoice redemption of Eve's tears. Rejoice height that is too difficult for human thought to ascend. Uh, rejoice depth that is too strenuous for angels' eyes to perceive. Rejoice for you are the throne of the king. For you hold him who sustains everything. Welcome to season two of the podcast Made Flesh. We are starting our season off uh, with one of our favorite guests from last season, Dr. Brad Jerzak, who is a lecturer at St. Stephen's University in New Brunswick and the author of many books. And what we wanted to talk to Brad Jerzak about this time around was the person of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, For both Zach and I, this is a subject that we are curious about. What does it mean that Jesus was born uh, from Mary, from a woman? Who is she? What role does she play in our faith, understanding of our faith? Um, I think for me, my interest and curiosity and, and what's turned into a love of the person and the role of Mary, um, we, we got into that really well in this, in this episode. I, uh, I grew up with quite a bit of suspicion hmm. about who Mary was and, you know, Mariolatry and Mariology right. and very, uh, concerned about where that could lead, uh, from a Protestant perspective. Hmm. And so it's, it's taken me a long time to kind of shed that and, and actually see the value um, of considering who she is and even incorporating um, her into uh, how I understand and uh, live out my faith. Um, So Brad came out with a lot of new insights, but actually aren't new at all. They're, they're very ancient. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about Brad. He's very, um, he's so steeped in the patristics and in the, um, just the way that the church has seen things. Mm. Um, and I want to point you to a couple of the books that he's uh, recently written. He co-wrote a novel with William Paul Young uh, called uh, The Pastor, A Crisis. And then most recently he's released uh, A More Christ-Like Word, Reading Scripture the Emmaus Way, which is available for pre-order as this episode is being released. Um, and uh, yeah, just just a great perspective on... Uh, on who the mother of God is. Hmm. I want to say that, um, yeah, I grew up in a Baptist church. And so a lot of this had been foreign to me. And then, and, and now I've found myself in a, in an Orthodox church where uh, we'll call it the veneration or honoring is another way to say that the honoring of Mary uh, for her role 
in bringing salvation into the world, which is to say Jesus, mm. uh, has become an important model for us as far as um, not simply Mary, meek and mild, but the same level of submission and surrender that you see in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's nothing easy and weak and about that, is there? Um, and there was mm-hmm. quite a challenge that she faced, uh, but also a miracle that she participated in. And so I want to come at it personally from um, a point of view, uh, biblically and theologically, but also experientially. So um, why the focus on Mary? Well, one of the reasons comes to us from uh, John chapter 19, where Jesus is on the cross and standing at the cross is his mom mm. and a few other women and John the beloved mm. and uh, quoting quoting the gospel now Jesus therefore seeing his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by said to his mother woman behold your son then he said to the disciple behold your mother and from that hour the disciple took her to his own and uh, some translations will add home in it. Um, the early church recognized this as a gift to the whole church, to all those who are beloved. Uh, John, the beloved, Zach, the beloved, Jackie, the beloved, Brad, the beloved. Behold, look, your mom. This is your mom. And so there is this sense of a gift to the church. And, and this from very, very early in the church was important to them. And she even becomes an image of the church in the sense that just as Christ is birthed through her. So in baptism, that's the breaking of the water of the church in which we're born. And so Mary slash church, so that by the second century already, you have one of the books that almost got in the New Testament, but it certainly was a, a much loved book was called shepherd of hermes and in shepherd of hermes a man has a ser- this shepherd has a series of visions of mary slash the church coming to her and every time she comes she gets younger so that's interesting this ever rejuvenating image so what you can see already is there's there's an imagery around mary that's very important and it's important in terms of our care and so some would mm. see that as as the church's care for us or mary's care for us and that this was a real experience And you see that experience lacking in the Protestant West in our need to look, let's say, progressives really are into the mother God thing now, the divine feminine. Well, for the Orthodox, you're like, oh, yeah, we already have that. (laughs) But why don't we call God mother? Why did Jesus call God father? He has he's feminine, too. It's like, yeah, but Jesus would say, well, I already have a mom. Hmm. I have a mom and I and I gave her to you, too. And so. um, so that's that's one thing I want to say. Mm. Uh, shall I pause there? Do you have any questions or comments about that before I say yeah. more? There's a lot there. The uh, Shepherd of Hermes thing. This is the first time I've ever heard of the, of this of this writing. Um, is it used? I mean, if it's not in the canon, like how does the church treat it? Oh, they they would treat it as a as a really with a lot of respect and as a great theological work that was up for consideration in terms of Mm -hmm. the new Testament, but it was 
probably not included because it comes too late. You know, yeah. uh, we wanted the New Testament. We, the church, wanted the New Testament to be the apostolic mm-hmm. um, witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Shepherd of Hermes is already moving past that era. But certainly it was not like, they're not like, oh, this is a bad book. It's like, no, this is a great book. It's so great. We should include it. But uh eh. But I, I don't want to go too much into that because that's just a side note, really. But it, okay. it's worth it's worth reading. It's worth reading. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds sounds fascinating to it's, hear it's, how early I, Christians think, right? Yeah, right. yeah. 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 I think for me, like hearing you talk about Mary as um as a gift to the church is so uh, that those aren't terms I've I've even me and my um encountering of Mary, but, but it brings true because she has been a gift um, to me, even in my own personal understanding of who Jesus is. She has been this, this person who helps. um, Well, I don't know. I, the word is shepherd, like she, or brings this, I mean, or birth, but just alongside the coming of God, um, into the world in an e- irrevocable way. And she was there. And I find that so, um, I think that's why I, I don't know why I'm so attracted to her. I, can I say two things? About yeah, that? So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you, you're just, you're talking about two things that we mm. probably need to explore more. One is the, her role in bringing God into the world in an irrevocable way. So, so her, how, that, miracle and what it means and what it entails and then also you're kind of talking like a personal relationship with her (laughs) that you've had this experience and I think that's so important that people probably shouldn't worry too much about Mary apart from that it's Mm. sort of like I had an orthodox priest once tell me it's like oh yeah don't worry about the Mary thing until you've experienced her then you can think about it I'm like well isn't that cool because I have you know and um as a Protestant. So yeah, Hmm. we we need to look at both of those. What do you want to say more about your experience and then come back to it? Yeah. I, so it kind of started again. So you said you grew up Baptist. Zach grew up um, Seventh day Adventist. I grew up in a four square church, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) all very variants of this. um, Yeah. Of this Protestant world. And I remember first reading, it was a book called Our Lady of the Lost and Found by Diane Schoperlin, a Canadian author. And it was, it was kind of an imaginative tale about Mary as a present day figure needing just, you know, a couple of days rest. And she goes to this author's house and they talk about Mary and it's weird and it's a wonderful book. And it got me really thinking about, um, like who Mary was and, and how people approach Mary as, as a mother. And as in, in that way, I think for me um, being called into ministry, but also being in places where my own ministry was not um, taken very seriously or not um, fostered until like much later in my life. At that time, it was a way into understanding God, like she was just kind of this portal of a, oh, you, there's a participative, participative way in, and this, these stories and her motherhood and her femaleness is an essential part 
of the story that means so much to you and that you want to live into. And so I think for me, like it just opened up this whole other dimension of my Christian faith um, that hit in a deeper level. So I think that's why I connect with her. I, you can see, I have images of her all over my wall. Cause, mm-hmm. and um, I find, yeah, I, I really respond to that. So that's kind of like the personal stuff for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll come back to the personal stuff mm-hmm. too, but the, you, you referred to her, one way you referred to her, you kind of diminished it a little bit in calling her a portal. Mm. Uh, but think about that. Yeah. Here is the God of the universe coming into the world from between her legs. Yeah. And 100% of Jesus Christ's humanity was contributed by her. So she's not just a portal in the sense of yeah. like a doorway, although she is that. that mm. She is the gateway between heaven and earth through which God comes. But incoming, all of his yeah. humanity, every cell of his eternal body that bears the wounds of the cross, mm. He picked up on the way through the portal yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you just start realizing this. And this is why um, when we, when the Orthodox sing hymns to Mary and when we pray in, in our prayers, when we refer to Mary, we use a lot of titles for her mm. and the titles, every single one of them is is a Christological statement. Mm -hmm. What we say about Mary is a statement that of who Jesus Christ is. So for example, you know, the the word, the Theotokos, the mother of God, what, why would they say that? We know she's not the mother of the father, son, and Holy spirit. No, the reason why we say that is because there was the Arian heresy, which would be similar to Jehovah's witnesses now really wanted to, they, they want to say Jesus Christ is not fully God, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they would call Mary the Christotokos, the mother of Christ. But the Orthodox guys are like, no, no, no. He's fully God. So mm-hmm. you need to call her the Theotokos, which answers this question. Who is in her womb? Mm-hmm. God is in her womb. And so, so, so I just wanted, to, I, I, I gathered together some of the titles we've given for her. Yeah. And this is, so this is how we sing to her. We have hymns to her every week, but listen to how Christological they are. They're, they're about Jesus and our salvation. And so we, we're singing to Mary and we sing rejoice through whom joy shall shine forth rejoice through whom the curse shall vanish vanish rejoice fallen adam's restoration rejoice redemption of eve's tears rejoice height that is too difficult for human thought to ascend Uh, rejoice depth that is too strenuous for angels eyes to perceive rejoice for you are the throne of the king Mm. for you hold him who sustains everything Rejoice, star that shows forth the sun. Rejoice, womb in which God became incarnate. Rejoice, through whom creation is renewed. Rejoice, through whom the creator becomes an infant. Rejoice, O bride unwedded. You hear the through whom, through whom, through whom, and the and through whom what? Through whom Jesus and His yeah. salvation. And and so we have 
there's just so many of these. I, I, I want to tell you a really funny one in a minute, but more, more, um, more uh, poignantly, mm. some of the nicknames we use for her are Temple, mm. Holy of Holies, Ark of the Covenant. Why would we call her the Temple, Temple, the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant? Because God is inside her. Because God that's, is inside her. The she- mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is the glory of God, the Shekinah glory that dwells in His, temple, in in the ark. His temple in the Ark. And so, right in the oh. Ark, you have what's in the Ark? Do you remember? It's it's Aaron's budding rod. rod. Yeah. Budding because resurrection. A dead yeah. piece of wood, the cross, is budding with life. It's the resurrection. The the, the Ten, Ten commandments, commandments, he's the new Torah. He's the word. And the living manna, the, the manna that came down from heaven, that he says in John, in John, is it uh chapter six, I think? He's the bread that came down. So all mm-hmm. of these things are in the ark, as all of these things are in her womb. Huh. And um so the titles we use will be like that. The funny one, and I've had to do my own homework on it because even some of the bishops don't have a clue. In the songs, she's sometimes called the August and Uncut Butter Mountain. <laughs> and, huh. and I'm like, what? <laughs> so I looked at Bishop Varlam, who used to be my um, confessor before he departed. And... Uh, and he just like shrugs his shoulders and holds his hands up. But I worked it out. I worked it out. So August just means great. She's she's like, she's so great. Yeah. And why is she so great? Well, uncut, that's, that's her virginity, mm-hmm. right? Her hymen had not been broken. And Butter Mountain, though. What the heck? <laughs> so it turns out I, I'm, I'm chanting through an old version of the Psalms as part of my prayers. Mm-hmm. And there Jerusalem is called the Butter Mountain because oh. Mount Zion, right? Why butter? I don't know. <laughs> but but what they're doing so there is they're associating her with Mount Zion and in in whom in whom right. the, the, the living bread, yeah. Aaron's budding rod, the very word of God is in that womb. And so I just, I get a kick out of all these titles we use for her and, and just, and really uh, we, we, I praise her in the ways that I praise my friends who, mm. who have done wonderful things for me. And mm. and what she did for me is she became, she, she, she became this gift giver and she brought us the greatest you know, gift that God sends his son through, through this precious woman. Yeah. Mm. So I, that's the theologically, I wanted to say that, that everything we say about her is Christological. You can't mm-hmm. find anything about her that doesn't, that's not making the point that Jesus is Lord. That's, that's why we, when we venerate her, we're pointing at Jesus. Mm. Yeah, as an icon, as an icon should be, right? It's it's this lens or this view, this portal to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I I grew up with this very uh, with a lot of suspicion for anything that had to do with Mary. Uh, last night I walked by the it's a Ukrainian Catholic church called uh, the Assumption of Mary. And then just next to me is a, is a Chinese Catholic church um, called um, 
eternal <laughs> health no oh no do you know what it's called Oh, no. oh, I can't know. think of what it's called. <laughs> anyway, um, she's kind of like an ever have ever present help. Oh, anyway, um, so yeah, everything. And I grew up in Eastern Canada, where you know lots of Catholic churches, and there are always images of Mary at the front. You know, usually there was a, a statue of Mary, or um, and and so I was I was always told, oh, be very suspicious because they worship Mary. They, um, you know, and and all of that suspicion kind of like, Oh, okay. Well then I better, better not think about that. Where, like what happened from, um, what happened in the reformation or during the schism or the separation between the Western church and and the Eastern church that kind of caused this dissonance or this change in how Mary was viewed. Yeah. Um, yeah, some weird stuff went down in the West. I think I, I feel very good about most of, most of how the Eastern Orthodox church relates to Mary Mm. because it is always consistently Christological and Jesus Christ is this, he's the center of our worship in the West within Catholicism. You do begin to get this kind of strange view of the transcendence of God. That's not very imminent. And a, a desire to, uh, you know, it's totally legitimate for me to ask you guys to pray for me, right? That's not idolatry. I'm not making right. you my mediator. Um, right. And so on a positive note, I want to say something about that, that'll lead us to the problem. Um, I'm more inclined to ask my wife to pray for me. Hmm. Why is that? Well, because I know her well, I know her God answers her prayers. I know how much she loves me. I know she's invested in my well-being in a way that you can't possibly be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that we're together every day. And so, so I have, if I go to her and I say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. Could you pray for me? She doesn't say, usually, pray. You, you have a connection with God. Pray yourself. Don't ask me to pray for you. That's idolatry. (laughs) No, we don't think that way, right? And so then, so it was with the saints and especially Mary. We're like, why would God remove the grace of intercession from those who are now with him? That's silly. In fact, the New Testament tells us that when we pray, Hebrews 12 we are gathered together with the spirits of righteous men and women made perfect at the, at the throne of grace. Mm. Right. And so um, when, so, so here's another point then is that is Mary dead or is she alive? I believe in the resurrection. Right. And if Mary is alive, where is she? She's with the Lord. When I pray, where am I? I'm with Mm. the Lord. I go to the throne of grace and and I ask I, I ask God for mercy. I pray to Jesus. Mm. But at the same time, I'm also saying, hey, Eden, can you join me in prayer? Oh, and by the way, Mary, could you join me in prayer? Yeah. Yeah. So and and we think, well, n- um, my wife's prayers are pretty bold, but like Mary's like super bold because <laughs> she knows what she can get away with. She she remembers very super. well um, yeah. when the when the at the uh, wedding of Cana, right? Right. Um, and, and 
she's like, Jesus, you need to take care of this. Like, hey, what's this got to do with me? And she's like, just do whatever he tells you, you know, and then, and then he performs a miracle, having just said my time's not yet come. Yeah, and talk about bold, right? Yeah. So, so I don't have a big problem asking people who are alive and know Jesus to pray, yeah. for, pray for me. Yeah. And then, but here's the problem in the West. In the West, at some point, um, with their idea that God is so distant in some way, uh, that they need Mary to go for them. And, and so the emphasis really turns toward Mary. And then this becomes the regular practice mm-hmm. um, when they pray the rosary, because you're praying, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee, with thee. Blessed art thou, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. So, right. so okay, it's a, that's, that's good, but except they pray that 10 times, and then they pray our Father once. So it's a 10 to 1 thing. Right. Whereas in the Eastern Church, when we're praying with our prayer rope, it's always Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Right. So, the, so I think if you end up having a 10 to 1 emphasis on Mary during your regular prayer times, you, mm. you will, you're, it's going to create a problem. And it did for some of them, I think. Yeah. And, and, and some of them did become idolatrous. Right. And that's not Mary's fault, nor is the solution getting rid of her. Right. <laughs> we don't want yeah. a mum anymore because some people started thinking too highly of her. You know? Right. Um, and so I think mm. in some ways the Protestants were pushing back against that. But also we shouldn't overemphasize how much they did. Um, evangelicals have pushed back. Mm. I think the reformers right. were pretty still into Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the reformers themselves, uh, some of them would have still been, you know, sung these great hymns and right. praised Mary's part in in, in salvation. Yeah. Asked her to pray for them, but it, it I think it, evangelicals took it to the next level and just really shut her right out. Right. So, oh, I don't know that... if they believe she's alive. But the consequence of shutting her out is to is to diminish, and you can see like even within evangelical theology, diminish the womanhood. Like it, it becomes just such a, a subservient role as opposed to a a full picture of how God is in the world, like for females and. Um, Absolutely. And so it like you can that natural exclusion of that. Although I can't speak to what was like before evangelicalism, because I don't know and I'm not a historian. Um, but I wonder if that's a natural outcome in our in our Christian collective Christian culture is that diminishment and it becomes harder to 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 bring in. I don't know. It's hard to say. You don't need to mm-hmm. edit that out. I think that's yeah. a good point. But but I would I, what puzzles me a little bit. Mm-hmm. is that, well, maybe she compensates in some way. So let's mm-hmm. say the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church, that makes up almost 1.5 billion yeah. Christians in the world, right? Yeah, That's a lot of Christians, mm-hmm. all of whom still venerate Mary, none of whom yeah. are female priests. Right. I'm wondering about that. Um, I, You know, in the Orthodox Church, we would say that women participate in all of the five-fold ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that we spend a, a significant amount of time uh, 
speaking about female saints who were equal to the apostles mm-hmm. and all of that. And yet, and, and then, and Mary's such an important part of our liturgy. And we, we sing her Magnificat, by the way, every single Sunday. Oh, wow. Um, which for people who don't know this, this is the song that she burst out with after, um, is this when Elizabeth mm-hmm. met her? And, um, <laughs> you know, it is like this in, intense song. Uh, we'll come back to that. We have to come back to it. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. But it's 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 just that um, how are we? Well, when we get rid of Mary, how do we compensate for that? Well, hmm. we compensate for it with either more recently with progressives looking for Mother God, yeah. or with evangelicals making a kind of a more effeminate Jesus. We're always looking. You know, it's like yeah, you're gonna. Our hearts need. Yeah, the divine feminine. Hmm. But if the divine has already gifted us with a mother, then then that hunger can be sated, and hmm. and um, and maybe all of these are legit ways. You know, maybe maybe these are all ways to do it. Um, right. I just I I love this because then I get to call God my father and Mary my mother, hmm. and I get to experience. Um, I get to experience. Uh, all the fullness of Jesus through that. Yeah. As you know, what, some people want to make Holy spirit mother too, by the way. So it's like, yeah. no, Jesus yeah. would say, no, the Holy spirit's not my mother. The Holy spirit hovered over Mary. Yeah. yeah. And she got pregnant. So, Oh, wait a minute. Then is the Holy spirit, the father is the father. I mean, it's com- <laughs> These are mysteries, right? Yeah. But what's not a mystery is, is here's a real woman who had a real child. Now what I'm seeing more and more is mm-hmm. just like real doubt about whether there was even a virgin birth and that it's sort of this optional thing. It's like, right. if it's optional, think about what that means. Hmm. Are we, are we saying Jesus did not have a divine father who impregnated Mary? Or like, are we saying Joseph was the dad then after all, or what does this mean to a crystal? So to me, it's kind of important enough that it's in the creeds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it strikes me that um, a lot of the conversation around this, there's a tension between the imminence and the transcendence. And and when when we have Mary in the picture, and maybe that divine feminine, that mother, that 100% human, it brings everything back maybe into a, um, a better balance, um, as opposed to swinging all imminent or all transcendent. Um, that's... For me, I think that's what holds it holds it together in that way. Maybe that's why I connect with her because it. I grew up with a very transcendent, even even in charismatic circles, like it's yeah. very embodied, but it's very out there. That's not. It doesn't. Got to do these things to get God to come. Yes. To bring revival because He's not here now. And right. We totally. Didn't, yeah, yeah, that's a real problem. <laughs> well, it it's really, a heresy. <laughs> yeah. No, and I I hear you, and I. I have witnessed that and, and the effects of that in real people's real bodies and real people's real minds is when, when God is so transcendent, it like, it just becomes, well, I could go on, but I think that's why maybe Mary coming to me at 20 and through a book, I can, I say it in that term, but was like the, the healing I needed to be able to like, okay, yeah, there's still something about Jesus that I love and, and here's a way I can help hold that. So I don't know. 
Zach, you want to jump in before yeah. I go off again? You know how I am. <laughs> yeah, I, one, one of the questions I had was in, in regards, and in, in Mary points is always pointing towards the uh, humanity of Christ. Um, and it's, it's this uh, view of, uh, Christological view of, of God. Um, I'm hearing a lot about the universal Christ in the last few years, and um, and I, I can't pretend to be an expert or having read or, or to have read all of that. But what I'm hearing from some friends is like, well, maybe Jesus was just one of uh, God coming to Earth, and and that's I'm like, well, no, I, I don't think that works, and I think having Mary. And, and this is something maybe the church could see, um, the early church could see and seeing that, well, we really do need to lift up this, um, not idea of Mary, but we need to lift up Mary herself to highlight this idea that God came this one time to do this mm. thing. Um, like, do, does that resonate with you at all? Like. Kind yeah, just... you're nailing a very important problem. It might be the most important Christological problem of our age. Hmm. And that this idea of the universal Christ or the cosmic Christ, I love that. But you, but the issue is that it's being dissociated from the Lord, the, Christ. The, the Jesus of Nazareth, right? Yeah. In yeah. his humanity and somehow in the ascension, Christ got back, Christ moved past his humanity it's like no the yeah. gospel of john is so clear on this and first john yeah. pushes back in advance and it yeah. just says jesus jesus crucified and risen is the christ hmm. in a way that no one else is the christ there are many appearances of christ even throughout the bible it, the, the burning bush is an appearance of Christ, the Shekinah glory. But there's maybe even the you are an appearance of Christ in some way. Right? But right. there's only one incarnation and it's forever. And so, so um, it doesn't, here's the, here's the problem. If you, it's an area of my expertise, which doesn't mean I've arrived anywhere. It's just I, mm. I've had years to spend on this. Um, the problem is we imagined this disembodied spirit called christ before the incarnation hmm. who then comes down takes a body for a while and then <laughs> we debate whether maybe he kept the body or not afterwards certainly the people you're thinking about think he didn't right. and that really he's not so unique other than well he was really better at it than i am but every anybody can be the christ and that's it and and it's just everyone bears the christ and blah 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 hmm. so here's the problem already what do you mean before before the incarnation there's a christ before the so we're thinking in on a temporal timeline right where does christ come from he doesn't come from before he comes from eternity hmm. And when he comes from, so from eternity, he's ever and always related to the one on the cross. Hmm. Um, so this is a weird idea, but John hints at it in Revelation when he says the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Hmm. So at least, at least in the sense of knowing God, mm -hmm. 
we don't know God apart from Jesus Christ of Nazareth, crucified, risen, and ascended. And no, you're not like him, <laughs> but you will be. <laughs> and so this is the, this is, so it's almost like if you go this path, you end up diminishing your own yourself too. Cause it's like, well, Jesus is just, so mm. we diminish him and you're like that. And so we diminish ourselves. What about this? What if the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, who laid in the manger groping for his mother's breast was simultaneously holding the universe in his hands. Mm. And what if that is his eternal nature that this deity and humanity would come together that way. Yeah. Die on a cross, conquer death and is alive now. Mm. That is, and, and uh, as you behold him and no one else, mm. as you behold him, 2 Corinthians 3, you are being transfigured from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. Implication Jesus. that the early church picked up, so that you will become by grace what he is mm. by nature. You will become by grace what he is by nature this is what we call deification divinization theosis. theosis all of these words are just saying we're that christ that the holy spirit is changing us to so that we will become like christ but that's an act of salvation for us it was not an act of salvation for christ he's the savior in mm. fact um there one of our hymns even talks about mary this way that she bore her own savior you know isn't that cool <laughs> yeah yeah so I, you, you are right to alert us to this trend. It's it's problematic, and you know, I'm a yeah. Whereas the bigger view of Christ actually diminishes, like this, it's a supposed bigger view of Christ actually diminishes who Jesus is. Yeah, and and, and it should be the other way around. If we actually elevate Jesus, we have a bigger and a, a hmm. greater view of. Right. And I, the other thing that's so essential to this is, yes, I love that. So I'm, I'm not embarrassed of using the term cosmic Christ. If that means Jesus Christ circumscribes the universe, that's right out of our hymns. But, um, Hmm. but if, if what he's holding a universe in wounded hands. And so the cross is really important to his suffering and his mother beholding his suffering, by the way, um, uh, if you remove that, if you remove the cross, you remove God's experience of your life. Um, He unites himself, not just to your humanity, but to your suffering and, and brings meaning to it from the cross. And so I would say those who've, um, I'd say the culprits, <laughs> uh, these are friends of mine. So, um, um, but the, the culprits sort of in the cosmic Christ thing, uh, many of them are disciples of, of Richard Rohr, but Richard Rohr himself says, if you remove the cross from this equation, right. the humanity from this equation, your suffering has no meaning. I mean, he's really strong on that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but but mm. but um i really love rory he's a very godly man much i would like to be like him he just effuses mm-hmm. love and and having said that i don't mind saying i think he made a mistake by distinguishing jesus and the christ when first john is 
pushing already to equate them because he saw the problem. Mm. It's the Christ, Jesus is the Christ and Christ and Christ, the Christ is Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, the, the Christ is just, a, it's, it's a, it's a title. It's who Jesus is. Yeah. Just like the word. He wasn't a word who became Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ has a title and that is the word right. of God. So we always start. I don't know if your listeners will know, like the word epistemology, right. but that just means how we know. Mm-hmm. So our epistemology of God, how we know God, we must never, m- m- there's, it's from the cross. The cross shows us who God is. Right. And, mm-hmm. and what do you know? There's Mary. Hmm. Right there. Yeah. Right there. And yeah. there's Jesus in his concern for us, hmm. giving us the mom we'll need. I, can I share about my experience of her? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that I think this is, you could take this as a metaphor for me as a deep inner healing moment. Hmm. Um, but in, in this inner healing moment, it, it, I was... Um, I, I can't give you all the details. It takes too long, but the, the long and short of it is an image. I'm five years, six years old, six years mm-hmm. old. I'm on a school bus feeling very lost. Kind of goes back to it's a, it's an archetype or a metaphor from a real memory. Cause mm-hmm. I, I didn't know when to get off the bus mm-hmm. and everyone else was off the bus. And I thought I'd miss my stop. And this became a metaphor for my life. <laughs> and so I'm so this six year old boy and and feeling alone and scared and like, mm. even like I'm going to die. And then I realized Jesus is in the seat in mm. front of me and he turns around and he looks at me. So, you know how like the, a dad who's driving, I, I know moms drive, but you know, as a kid, it was my dad who would drive and, and they'd put their arm up on the seat to look mm-hmm. into the back seat at you. Yep. So um, Jesus does this and he looks at me and we really lock eyes. And, and he says, uh, you, you, you need to be held and I'm going to give you my mom. And then I realize I'm, I'm actually, I'm resting back into her arms mm. as I'm looking into Jesus eyes. Yeah. And that's the combination that happened. And some pretty significant deep level healing was happening for things that were missing in my found emotional foundations. Okay. And, and so to be held by Mary as I focus on Christ. Mm. Um, this is a, I, I think that that's a good model for us. Yeah. Um, mm. And, mm. and maybe even meditating that way and saying, that, isn't that a way to meditate on the Bible verse from John 19? Yeah. You know, to fix mm. our eyes on Jesus on the cross gazing in love towards us as he as as he says i have someone that she'll, uh, and of course he'll hold us too and and good let him <laughs> yeah yeah but if you're going to think about mary keep your eyes on jesus and pope john paul ii said the same thing i was studying mm. gazing prayer ga- the g-a-z-e yeah and uh pope john paul ii really loved mary he believed she saved his life when he got shot but he also recognized this problem in Catholicism of people diverting their attention from Jesus to Mary. So what he said in one of his epistles to the whole Catholic church was, if you find yourself at the throne of grace, you may notice that Mary is there. Of course you will, because you love her. Yeah. But what I want you to do is notice her undiverted attention 
from mm. Jesus Christ. Right. And I want you to let her disciple you in emulating that undiverted attention on Jesus Christ. So mm. he knows Catholics will go to pray and they're looking for Mary. He said, well, when you do that, notice where she's looking and you do the same. Right. What? Right. I, th- I think that keeps things pretty sane and safe and Christ-centered. Yeah. But it also allows us that emotional witness of a human being. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. The I, first human being to bear God in that way. Mm. As I've heard it, the first human being to accept Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Into yeah. her almost her heart just a bit yes that's right close yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think i think that's why i i like her too because that accepting it into her whole self it's not just a up here thing it was a fully embodied lived out caring for but then receiving from later like it was a from yeah, from her youngness to her oldness. Yeah, fully she had, her, skin and, her skin was in the game, right? <laughs> yeah, Literally. I think that yeah. to me is such a much more appealing and like inviting, but in a like it will cost you everything way, but it will be your whole good life way of, of following Christ. I think that's why I I respond to her so much. And and what you were just saying too, there's this, like, we are rooted to this world and that's through our families. And I think about the, like, um, like a mother root or like, there's a, we are deeply rooted and there is healing that needs to happen <laughs> through in our roots. Cause we are humans and there's stuff that happens and it gets passed down. And I think that, yeah, I really, that image you have on the bus is, is beautiful. Yeah. Let me give you another image, and this will go with uh, um, Magnificat, that song of Mary. Yeah. So picture with me, um, South America during the Reagan years, when in Argentina and nations down there, the dictators were murdering a lot of people, Mm. torturing them. They called, there's a whole group um, called the Mothers of the Disappeared, and Mm. they would find their there's their young their sons usually but sons and daughters you know their tortured bodies in garbage dumps Hmm. you know it was like really bad a bad scene and these mothers of the disappeared would go down and they would stand they would circle with placards and um, below the palace windows where the dictator would hear them and see them protesting and they'd send out these soldiers to confront the women. But the soldiers are also children of Catholics. Right. And the mothers are Catholic. Right. And the mothers are in the face of the soldiers protesting this injustice. But they have to be careful what they say or they'll be arrested. So they just start singing the Magnificat. Huh. Okay, now, so... Think about how politically charged this is in the face of extreme injustice. And now I'm going to read you her song. Mm-hmm. Mary Meek and Mild. Well, she says, she starts out, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. She's talking about Jesus. Um, she's also talking about the father for he has looked with favor on his humble servant from this day, from this day, all generations will call me blessed. 
So mm. Protestants are going to, well, they're coming around, thanks to my friend Mark Lowry, but we'll get to him. <laughs> the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he will send empty away. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered the promise of his mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, we added that part. Um, and so it's the, just this intensity of he, he's going to make things right. And those who are proud and rich and haughty and oppress the poor. He's actually going to drag them down off their thrones. She's singing this about the baby in her womb. And uh, yeah, it's pretty intense, <laughs> really. And so can you imagine the soldiers there withering as they're hearing these words mm. or the president of Argentina listening from his window right. as marry him? What are you going to do? Kill the women? All they're doing is singing the blessed yeah. mother, the blessed virgin song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I've, I've heard that I've heard this, like, I didn't know if it was a legend cause I hadn't really looked into it, but is the Magnificat, um, was it banned? Was it, you know, like, because it's such a strong statement in the face of injustice. Oh, I, I don't know if they could ban it. Maybe, right. maybe they try that. You know, you can't, can't ban the words of the <laughs> Virgin Mary. Come on. <laughs> um, and and thankfully now, I mean, so so again, mm. it's the these songs are christological, and now finally, finally, Protestants are catching up. Uh, mm. Although, uh, and I'm going to bring this up because people have been taking cheap shots at Mark Lowry for his song "Mary, Did You Know?" Right, right. And yeah. the cheap shots are like, "Oh, now you're mansplaining Mary," or, yeah. or "Yes, she did know." Blah blah blah. And it's like he's a friend of mine. Like, so tell me about the song. And she says, "Mary gave me this song, mm. and it's about the Annunciation. Mary did not know until the angel told her." So right. these are the words of the angel as she's. As, as, as not as she's giving birth as she's conceiving right yeah right. yeah and so he says just i he he was so careful with the grammar on it because yeah. she'll say um mary did you know that your baby boy would one day walk in mortar did you know that your baby bo-? so that sounds reflective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then she says this child that you delivered will soon deliver you okay so now that sounds like they're, they're in, in delivery Mary, mm-hmm. did you know your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Did you know your baby boy would calm? So it, 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 people get confused that he's talking in the past tense. Right. right. But she's saying, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. You know, so yeah. um, anyway, for, for those who aren't just cynical about it, yeah. um, I, it's pretty wonderful that you've this year on their Christmas albums, you've got Carrie Underwood is singing it. Dolly Parton is singing it. Mm, you know, yeah. Pentatonix has done a beautiful version of it. And it's, what are we doing there? Oh, we're joining the angel mm. in singing to Mary about Jesus. Yeah. 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 Um, so I recommend yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that, you know, Mark Laurie and I've seen those too. And, uh, like kind of the like, uh, yeah, she knew, which I'm like, yeah, and I totally hear the. She knew because the, the angel told her, yes, right? <laughs> I totally hear the tensions in there, 
and 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 then too like macroing it out like there's a level of pain that that comes out of right that maybe if we hold this the beauty of the story in a good way it can help heal um anyways yeah and and again yeah. it's very the christology of it's huge she yeah. he's coming right out and saying when you kiss the baby you're mm-hmm. kissing god yeah okay the, that should be like preschool that that's a preschool catechism for christians and yet um, now, even among evangelicals, I recently saw a poll of American evangelicals where, uh, you know, 40% of evangelicals don't necessarily aren't convinced he's fully God. Right. Like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Okay. So uh, any help, any help we can get in making that as a bold mm. statement, mm. I, I don't know, maybe making bold statements doesn't help, but we need a revelation. We need the mm. revelation she had. That, yeah. Uh, that the angel gave her mm. that Mark is saying the angel gave her that mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark and Luke. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then G- John's strange version of the whole thing, you know, it's just, yeah. So here we are talking about, about a high Christology again. It's, this is where the conversation mm-hmm. should always lead. I think. Yeah. I like that. So, so back to Mary. No. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> There's something about her. Yeah. Um, what, what about um, having Mary living now as opposed to a sleep in death or, you know, whatever after death looks like? Um, because I, I know there's the, the assumption of Mary um, into heaven uh, what 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 is it about her being alive now as opposed to you know transcending time and space and you know praying um, to Mary um, as this figure in the past who had this mm. important role? What what's the difference there? How is because for me and and again like I I think I was so suspicious of Mary that I haven't allowed for an experience. Yeah, or even been open to an experience, yeah. um, or if that experience happened, it wouldn't be attributed to Mary. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. like to to me, that like what? Why is it necessary to to believe that she is alive today? Yeah, mm. I don't know if it is necessary, but it's okay. beneficial. <laughs> it's beneficial. Yeah. It, um, yeah. Let's start with Jesus again, though, and yeah. then we'll come to her because we can ask the same question of him. Um, we're super careful with our grammar in the, in the Eastern church around the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. We don't say Christ was crucified and that Christ was raised. Mm. We don't even say Christ was born. We say Christ is born. Mm -hmm. Christ is crucified and Christ is risen. And the implications about that are, I am not just remembering something that happened 2000 years ago, but I am entering this Paschal mystery where I stand before the manger, the cross. Um, and, and or, or better, the, he's not in the empty tube. <laughs> I'm in the <laughs> upper room, I guess. I'm, I'm, yeah. or, or better, I'm, I'm in the garden with Mary Magdalene when I was the first to meet him and that he is he 
he is risen, not was risen. And so I have direct access to that, to that spiritual moment. And it's kind of, it's, it's collapsed time in that sense that we're, that we're, he's not at just the cross as it, yes, it happened in time, in space time, it had to during the, time of Pontius Pilate. That's, that's the point in the creed that right. it's important that we say that because no, this really happened. It's not a metaphor, mm, yeah. but we're also saying that, that the life and the passion of, of Jesus Christ um, transfigures history so that instead of being on a temporal timeline, all of history revolves around that moment now. Mm. And that when I pray, I actually come to the cross. I actually mm-hmm. come to the, the garden i actually hear him say my name and fall at his feet okay so maybe if we start there with g that's it is essential in some way to believe that Mm. um is it is it helpful to remember mary's part of that narrative of course it is that's why she's in the gospels Mm -hmm. (laughs) um is it is it helpful for me to say um Mary, I'm going to need your help on this one. Um, here's why it is for me, because sometimes I need, I need her empathy. Mm. Um, as as someone who's being asked mm. to surrender completely, to whom I can't just say, "Well, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. You're you're also God." It's like Mary isn't, <laughs> and she did it. So in that way, she she can be a unique mentor to me as well, and and um, I feel I feel her empathy in that. I feel her care in that. I feel her prayers in that. It's like, and maybe maybe I'm making that up. But hey, if you can make it up, go for it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I again, I, I I'm like the priest in the Orthodox Church. I'm like, you know what? It, if that's not your experience, don't worry about it. Until yeah. it's your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one other question. Um, mm. The idea of, of Mary as ever virgin. I, I've heard implications of that being like, well, then, and even, even my own, like we, we live in, well, I guess more in the nineties and early two thousands where the purity culture was really pushed. And um, the idea of virginity was really kind of elevated. What, does the non-defiling of Mary then kind of diminish sex in a sense? It's, it shouldn't. Okay. Um, it's funny though. Cause we're like, <laughs> let, let's say as a conservative Baptist evangelical, yeah. I would have absolutely rebelled against that as strongly as I demanded a virgin birth. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, well, that can't happen. But this has to, ha- you know, like so. Yeah. So why? So hmm. why would I be so credulous about the virgin birth and incredulous about her ever virginity? Hmm. Um, well, it's because I was a Bible only guy, and if right. it's not in the Bible, it can't be true. All right. So um, I don't know, <laughs> but I like that answer. <laughs> you know, I think we need to say that. Um, here's what I do know is that in the early in the early centuries of the church sometimes they would 
that whatever narrative they had, literal or not, hmm. was carried theological freight hmm. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, so I believe in the actual virgin birth, but in addition to that, that carries a lot of theological freight in terms mm -hmm. of the incarnation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so other stories, I'll go to another extreme now, the story of the presentation of Mary to the temple, mm. uh, which is common in the Catholic, again, 1.5 billion Christians mm -hmm. celebrate the feast of her presentation to the temple as a little girl in the same way that Samuel was presented to the temple. Right. She was offered to the priest. She runs up the stairs. She goes right into the Holy of Holies. That's a big no-no. She ends up in the Holy of Holies. The angels bring her manna to eat. Hmm. Um, she ends up serving in the temple, um, um, sewing, weaving the veil to the huh. Holy of Holies. And then when they realize she's coming towards the age of womanhood, they realize she can't stay in the Holy of Holies. So they have to find a guardian for her who will preserve her sanctity. And mm. that's why they choose, chose Joseph, who would not violate that. And yet she becomes pregnant. So now it's even more scandalous. So that whole story, when I preach it in the monastery the orthodox church my godfather says you know it didn't actually happen don't you <laughs> and one of the priests one of the monks said yeah no we, we don't actually believe that you sound like you believe it happened mm. like well i mean we have a story well, then yeah. why do we tell the story if it didn't happen because it because it's theologically true hmm. so we created yeah. a narrative to tell a theological truth the truth preceded the story hmm. one example from it what are the implicate i'll see if you can get it this will be your quiz okay okay what are the implications of mary knitting or sewing the veil to the holy of holies well ahead, i just Jackie. well no i just think of i mean when then when jesus dies uh -huh. and the and the veil is torn from top to bottom it's this uh separation and what's what's the veil represent in Hebrews? um oh i don't know <laughs> the veil which was his body uh, yeah 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 what's yeah. mary doing yeah oh knitting his she's body. knitting, knitting his together body. the body of christ totally. Where? in her womb yeah and we're like whoa i just got goosebumps even thinking about it again yeah. and so you'll yeah. see in some of the um the the icons of the presentation of mary she's yeah. she's already she's there'll be a corner where she's sewing this red veil oh, i love it oh yeah. my goodness right and yeah. so i i say all that to say now does the ever virginity of mary matter did it is it true? Um, so you've factual, got these yeah. factual. Is it factual? Yeah. It's yeah. true. Whether it's factual or not, I don't. I don't know. We we use the expression an awful lot. Like you've got these stories about their check. You know, a midwife checking her after and going, "Wait a minute, she's still a virgin. How is this possible?" Hmm. And we're like, "Well, that's not possible. It's like neither is a virgin birth, <laughs> right?" <laughs> but um, but 
but the point the the point would be mm. i think is they're they're wanting to to say that not that marital sex is to be diminished but that uh she you know that there's no question that that her son that her son's father who is is god there yeah. there it is her, yeah. The, yeah. who is the yeah. father the, is there any doubt about that yeah there's no right. you know yeah. and of course there'll still be doubt about it but but yeah. maybe yeah. that was the theological agenda yeah and um so i just it's one of those things where i'm like what's the more than literal truth here right so that i don't just trip on obsessing about what's actual and what's not when I know there are narratives that were more theological than historical without wanting to throw them all out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Similar uh, akin to, you know, evangelicals holding up, you know, teachings in the Bible saying this, this must be factual, literal. And if it isn't, well, the whole story is blown. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like think about it. Um, (laughs) So even these traditional stories have to be treated in the same way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, And John does this all the time in his gospel. He like, I believe Jesus healed a blind man, but already in John, he's telling us Mm. there's a more than literal truth going on here from Jesus own mouth. Like here's a blind man who sees and seeing people who are blind. And this is the point of this miracle. Right. And also he heals them. So, yeah. Yeah. um, So you get to be hold these things with an open hand, I think, a hand of trust and faith rather than scientific lockdown. Yeah, I think that's like why I, sorry, I think that's why I love these stories, and I, I, and as I'm getting older, loving stories that are maybe more legend than what I would have said was gospel when I was younger, but because they hold yeah, that more than literal truth, or you can just start to see, um, I mean, symbolism and all of that. And it's so, so deep and rich and that's life-giving. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we know this, we know this from the yeah. parables. We know yeah. that the parable of the, of the prodigal son is true. Right. The parable of the good totally. Samaritan is true with a capital T yeah. and transformative as I enter yeah. a parable of a story that never probably actually happened. Right. I mean, right. but it happens every day. <laughs> so yeah. it's archetypal in that sense. <laughs> and you are the referent. So mm-hmm. I guess maybe one more question. Sure. How does our view of women change when we elevate Mary? <laughs> Is that well, I do refer to my wife as McQueen. <laughs> McQueen. Um, I think I think it can, but I also know that you'll see misogynists mm. who right. venerate Mary and treat their right. wives very poorly okay. or treat women poorly. But it but there should be a connection. I would mm. say that you have to have a, a bizarre but common disconnect for it not to. Um, yeah. I, and if I could add one thing, you referred earlier to the, the the phrase praying to Mary, which of course creates a lot of tension right. in this because mm-hmm. we should only be worshiping God. Um, just so people know, some of this is a problem just with old English. Mm. So in Shakespearean right. English, pray just meant ask. Yeah. So you would say, I, I pray thee, I pray thee, sir. 
Right. I, yeah. I would pray. So praying to Zach would just be, I'd, I'd come to you, you know, to make a request that you'd, you'd fix right. my car or something. Right. So right. to pray to Mary was we're making a request to Mary. What is the request we're ma- making? Even the, and the Catholics from the rosary mm. um, that she would pray for us now mm-hmm. and in right. the hour of our death, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe. And, and I started praying the rosary as a Protestant because of, I was felt like I was on the edge of my death so often, you know, yeah. just in terms of spiritually, I was at the yeah. end of my rope and I'm like, yeah. I, I, I don't know about my prayers, but, but you know what, if you, if you want to, if you could pray for me, that'd be cool. Yeah. And uh, I just tried it and it, I en- ended up entering that inner healing experience. Mm. So uh, a recommendation for Protestants is just keep Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Um, uh, enjoy the possibility that Mary's praying for you. And when you're desperate enough, you could ask her to. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, hmm. uh, just even in the Magnificat, she's praying for me. Like, yeah. she absolutely she is praying for me in these it prayers. Yeah. Is, yeah. is. There we yeah. go. Yeah. That could be our big takeaway today. Um, I think the, so. Yeah. The isness. The isness of the incarnation. Oh yeah. Which includes which includes Jesus' good gift of a mom. Hmm. So I, I want to I don't know when you're showing this, but or releasing this, but um, yeah. as a as a Orthodox who's on a slightly different calendar than you, just entering right. the feast of the nativity. Hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna say um, Christ is born. Yes, hmm. Christ is born. Let him be born in us. Recording today has been done online from our homes. Music graciously provided by Jennifer Oikawa. Check out Escape Plan to Canada by the Jen Oikawa Trio. One thing we'd like to develop more of is a conversation with our listeners. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, find us on Instagram at the Podcast Made Flesh, no spaces, or on Facebook. Like our page and follow us. Get all our updates.